1: Take you away for an hour or so. It's the State of Combat Podcast on CBS Sports with your boy, the Brian Campbell. Back with a bullet. Back with a bang. Injecting you with that one and only performance. Enhancing audio. Shout out to everybody hanging in there. Getting through unprecedented times, of course, with the coronavirus outbreak. Hoping that the SOC can play at least part of a small role Maybe putting a smile on your face, maybe nostalgically taking you back. This is kind of the boxing edition this week as your boy B- BC is going to welcome in Rafe Boogs in a moment. We're also going to bring in one of our broskies, the great Eric Raskin. You know him as a longtime boxing man. He is a podcaster with Showtime Boxing with Karen Mulvaney and himself. He, of course joined Rafe and I for an epic State of Combat podcast from 2018 where we looked back at the Karate Kid Trilogy ahead of that launch of the new series Cobra Kai. We're coming back with another similar episode today. I figured, look, there's not much boxing news going on right now to really talk about. So why don't we break down one of our favorite all-action classics? What does that mean? Does that mean a deep dive into the Gotti Ward Trilogy? No. Corrales Castillo won? No. That means dipping a bit into our weirdness. You know how much Rafe and I love Steven Seagal. You know how much we love cheesy action gratuitous movies from the 80s and 90s. I'm calling the shots today. Picking out my favorite action movie of all time. The classic that was 1990s marked for death starring Steven Seagal. We're going to get a nice breakdown on his wackadoo awesomeness, what makes him so great, where this movie fits in, in the action lineage, in the Seagal history. We'll have some nice debates, some laughs, and really go ham on this film. So if you haven't watched in a while, I encourage you to do so. I think it's available if you have a Hulu subscription, if you subscribe to Stars, I per I have it on DVD, but I ended up, Buying it for like two ninety nine on Amazon Prime. You can get it for three ninety nine on YouTube at the moment. But it's out there. You might have it on DVD. It's a classic. We're gonna go deep on that and a reminder. Uh the SOC's got your back. All right. It's crazy times, but uh check out our pods this week. Our MMA pod not only looks at the UFC's reaction to the coronavirus and debates Dana White's comments. Brandon Wise and I go deep on this uh, Tiger King documentary that Netflix has got going that has taken over the world and also got an interview this week in a special edition with Chris Jericho, wrestling superstar, about the new Vice TV documentary on Chris Benoit, two hour special on his controversial life, death, legacy, all that. Very interesting stuff. You're going to want to check that out. Uh, Look, we're gonna try. We're gonna keep staying in your life, okay? We're gonna have fun episodes. We're gonna have real episodes. If there's boxing news to talk about, we'll get to. Most of the fights are being canceled, as you know. Actually, all the fights in boxing are being canceled, and uh, of course, Bob Arum of Top Rank just announced that formally, the Wilder Fury trilogy bout that they thought they were going to pull off july 18th is officially going to get pushed back to later in the year and certainly there's a little bit of news value in there from a boxing side how much could that layoff help deontay wilder if he's using this time off to heal physically mentally but more importantly get in the gym and and maybe alter his style, maybe try a different strategy for how he can combat what was a one-sided loss to Tyson Fury in their big rematch just a couple months ago. Uh, hopefully we we got some fights coming on the horizon, but obviously it's a serious time. I hope everybody's taking precautions, doing the right thing. I know it's uh it can be easy to say, hey, put on Netflix, grab a six pack, spend some time with your family, like, like I've been doing. I've been going on great uh walks and hikes with the kids, the dogs, and really enjoying myself. But uh uh you know there's different circumstances. Some people are fighting the illness, or or, or family members close to them, or or have their jobs uh being removed or suspended right now be not getting paid because of this uh quarantine. So uh certainly a lot of sympathy for what's going on around the world and uh we're going through this together. So let's let's do that. Let's go through this together and uh do more fun shows like this hopefully just to uh you know, press pause on the world for an hour or two and uh and laugh a little. It's, we we deserve it, okay? This is the new new for the moment, but um, we can get through it. There is reasons to to have optimism and faith and believe, even in the tough challenges and in this is as tough maybe as we 've seen in this in this generation in this era, so to speak a uh, little different war going on if you will it 's a different kind of war but uh Shout out to everybody. Shout out to the Irish crew, the ADK crew, the Alex Godinez crew, all of our great listeners at the SOC, CBS Sports and beyond. Uh, we're going to have a show right around the corner as we take a pause for the cause and hear a word from our friends and sponsors and on the other end. Let's get weird. Let's get Seagal. It's marked for death. It's Jamaica. It's the Screwface twins. Live it. Love it. It's coming your way. Enjoy. <laughs>
0: Sometimes it takes a killer to catch a killer. These killings are all about vengeance. The new season of the hit Paramount Plus original series Criminal Minds Evolution is now streaming. Buried secrets come to light in the new season as the criminal profilers join forces with an unlikely ally. I have a plan.
2: We will not rely on help from a serial killer.
0: Oh, you most certainly will. Stream the new season of Criminal Minds Evolution exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
1: All right, I promised you experts, the most entertaining and educated movie aficionados on the Action Guild that you can find. You know him as the co-host of the SOC Boxing Podcast, TheAthletic.com's Rafe Bartholomew. Rafe, on a 1 to 10 of fired up level, to get into Seagal's drawers right now, give me a number.
0: 11 Brian but you know what it's not just Seagal it's about that other man on the line with us that man you call trouble yes
1: uh boobs brazil no 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 he is of course a uh a nationally renowned uh poker sports betting writer a Showtime boxing podcast co-host of the great Showtime boxing pod with Raskin and Mulve. he is Eric Raskin and he's well too educated to be part of this show. Although no disrespect to Northwestern, Rafe, but this is an Ivy Leaguer here. Rasky, welcome
2: back. Thank you, BC. I am. Uh- T- dramatically undereducated though when it comes to steven seagal uh this will ah. be my first time ever getting into his drawer so uh you guys are gonna have to educate me a little bit but i'll do my best to uh to weigh in as the seagal newbie here i love well, it i you don't love
0: teach seagology at brown university <laughs> huh? i love that
1: i love that our collective alma maters here are brown northwestern and Naugatuck Valley Community Technical College. So this is just this is a great way to get this and, thing going. But
2: you have you? Do you have the most Twitter followers of the three of us, Brian? I do uh, I believe I believe you do. And if so, that would prove that uh, it's it's not the it's not the college you went to. It's the uh, it's how, where you graduated from the School of Hard Knocks. I very think. very and, uh, true. And
0: which skinhead sports you cover the most? Very true. Let me <laughs> say for true.
2: Something. Richard we have we have a new we have
1: a new Manny Pacquiao, and he has ten thousand followers at least on Twitter. Okay, hey, let's get into this. Movie. So, what are we doing here? Uh, Rafe, you and I have history with Seagal, right? And I ain't talking about uh, in Russia with Kovalev. I'm talking about uh, we Copend, a 2014 Grantland story on uh interview with a Seca- Seagologist that was built around the idea that you went to the theater for a Seagal movie marathon that encompassed four of his classics On Deadly Ground, Under Siege 2, Hard to Kill, Out for Justice. But I was partially lamented during that great process that we weren't touching what I think is the best Seagal movie, the best action movie in history, 1990s dark Jamaican thriller marked for death, brother. Um I am prepared to... Over the next how long this takes, show the world just how genius and brilliant and rewatchable and amazing and affecting this film is. But spoiler alert, Rafe, this is not your favorite film. You don't like sitting in this chair with a weird orange Michigan hunting hat on at the moment.
0: Look, I just rewatched this film and I, I found moments. I, I found reasons to love it. But the I still my my number one complaint here remains and we can get into this as we move on this is not prime seagal action he's no, no, no. not doing no, no, no. the aikido at the level of out for justice this is i want more fisticuffs i want it break I, I want crisper broken limbs and he's there's just too much sniper seagal i don't want to see him handle the metal i want to see him handling men with his hands when, when you talk about the
1: handling of men When you talk about what he's here to do, right?
0: Bang! See you later.
1: Left, right, good night. When you talk about what he's looking to acquire in life.
0: I want, I want guys. I have beautiful guys. (laughs) I
1: know where you're going with this, but Eric, you are the Sagal outlier in this scenario. So before I school Rafe on what he's missing and why... There's a differentiation between him and I as Seagologists in what we're looking for. What is your Seagal history background slash action movie tolerance given that Rafe and I can go really deep down the Billy Blank's janitor turned karate master action movie food chain?
2: Is that what he was,
1: a janitor for Billy Blanks? Is that no, how he no, got his but, start? I don't but I, know that. I'll rewatch anything, okay? I'll watch Kickbox. <laughs> I'll watch all that crap, all right? Get, bring it on.
2: Um, so you, I, I'm in agreement with both of you guys and disagreement with both of you guys because this is uh, simultaneously my favorite and my least favorite Steven Seagal film uh, because it is the only one I've seen. <laughs> um, whoa,
0: whoa, 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 whoa. Were, whoa, whoa. So no under, never seen Under Siege. Never seen Under Siege. As I was telling you guys. Uh, Executive over, Decision.
2: <laughs> How is, do you are even you know? asking
0: whether I made the executive decision not to see Under Siege,
2: <laughs> or is that the name of a Seagal
0: movie? it, it's the name of a Seagal <laughs> movie, and if you knew, you would know it's the most unsatisfying Seagal movie. Wow,
2: that's a that's a hard sell there. Um, so, yeah, it's not that I ever, like, made the decision that, oh, I do not want to see Seagal, but action was never my favorite genre. Um. I love Prime Arnold. All the the 80s, early 90s Arnold stuff is fantastic. There's some Stallone stuff I like. I've seen a handful of the Van Dams, and, you know, I liked them okay. But for whatever reason, for whatever reason, I just never got around to seeing any Seagal. And it certainly never felt like appointment viewing for me until I was invited on a podcast to talk about a Seagal movie, (laughs) and that's what made it happen.
1: Well, you have to understand movie royalty, which you do. You're the brother of famous Hollywood editor Fred Raskin, so you are uh, in an important role here as sort of the outsider who's willing to get in on the inside, if you know what I mean, to add a fresh perspective. But let me frame what this movie is and where it is, okay? Steven Seagal came onto the scene in 1988, out of nowhere, in his late 30s, it's a completely unlikely turn from world-renowned martial arts Aikido expert to leading man in major films. But the first four Seagal films from 88 to 91, it's the Mount Rushmore. It's the top of the pops. It's pure Seagal before, which is something Rafe and I articulated in that old Grantland piece, before he gained too much control that he got in his own way and started Seagalogizing films and very quickly was moved to direct to video. But, of this four, they're all close but a little bit different. Here's why I think this is the best, and what separates Rafe and I. We both love cheesy crap action. We both love Segal's ness And if you want full on Segal ness you're gonna watch 1994's On Deadly Ground, where he writes, produces, directs, stars like ruins. You every- know, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just in your face. But of this original four, right? Above the law, the first film, it's actually like a real movie. It's actually like the closest thing to a legitimate script and movie. Hard to Kill, number two, completely over the top, yet people seem to remember it the most whenever you say Seagal because of key scenes. And then the fourth one in 91, Out for Justice, Rafe's favorite. I know why it's your favorite, because it's basically Commando, which has always been to me... The top of the pops for action because it's over the top on purpose. It's ridiculous. It's a comic book come to life. Out for Justice is Seagal's classic in that specific sub-genre of action of just straight-up ridiculous comic book cartoon action. But, Rafe, I can appreciate that. I love it. I seek it out from other people like Arnold. But hard to kill. I'm sorry, Mark for Death just fits right in the middle there in 1990. And it's the most real movie to me. Not real
0: movie like Above the Law where there's legitimate <laughs> Because of its realistic portrayal of the Jamaican community, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well who did out? The white boy hatcha? Yes, I did. Yes, did the
0: white boy hatcha?
1: Dead. dead! Dead, Rave Hatcha! Dead! Um basically what I'm oh, saying whoa. is while Above the Law had legitimate co-stars and an actual legitimate script and good acting and a story arc it's still a real movie mark for death is just straight up a raw action movie it's not too over the top you get some cheesy seagal counter one-liners but rask i feel like this could have happened and sometimes in a movie that's what i want the most we're always looking for the real in the fake that's why Pro wrestling guys like me in their 40s can actually still watch it because we're just searching for that real and something that's so damn fake. And guess what, Rask? This whole world's fake and I'm still searching
2: for the <laughs> real. We found it in this movie. Huh. I will say that the main thing going through my mind as I watched this movie was not wow, this feels like a documentary. This feels like the real thing. I can't believe how uh, entrenched we are, we are in the firm reality of it all. That's not what I was thinking, but I haven't seen his other movies, so maybe this is less absurd than most of the others. Um, I do love the—you the, know the reference to Commando, and obviously it's not this one that you were comparing to it, but that is my ideal great terrible action movie. Like, it's not really a good movie, but it's amazingly entertaining and hilarious. Uh, and so that's what I kind of assume Sagal movies are generally going for, is to be that really bad movie that you uh, enjoy anyway, if you're into uh, cheesy uh, action movies. His one-liners, though, are horrendous. If, I, no. I don't know if you guys are going to push back on this, but as a guy who Uh, You know, very young was introduced by my dad to like James Bond shocking a guy and killing a guy in the bathtub with electronics and water and goes shocking, truly shocking. And so I was introduced to the idea of the one liner after you kill a guy and then to grow up with Arnold and the all time great lines like I let him go. And my personal favorite, he had to split. I mean, those are just amazing. Compared to those, Segal in this movie, I don't know. It was, uh, it, was, it was, I was sort of laughing out of pity on occasion, no. but his his one-liners, I, I I, don't know. I wasn't buying what he was selling.
0: You
1: want some blow? Yeah, I want some blow. Put your hands where I can see them. Or I'm going to blow your head up.
0: Come on, come on, <laughs> Rafe! Defend
2: well, us here. There, defend. There us. was one. There was one I jotted down that was. Uh, I'm looking for it in my notes here. That was particularly terrible. Uh, well, you guys vamp for. Oh, uh, something was after he shot a. Uh, Jimmy Fingers. Yes. Uh and it said God made men. Jimmy it's Fingers says says, you know, what the f? You can't just, shoot me. Up. A, you can't you can he's a made man. You can't right. kill a made man. Well, yeah, I don't know. know. It was just uh it was inc- I thought that line was incredibly lame. What about God the, great, made the
0: great Jimmy Fingers line though? I wouldn't sell, I would I could sell anything but I wouldn't sell you the sweat off my Hatcher. <laughs>
1: <Patrick.
0: laughs> <laughs> Listen, if they if they're
2: doing the Jimmy Fingers story separately, I'm um, I'm I'm in on that. All right. It doesn't make Seagal's one-liners Ra- any better. We want to go down the road properly here, Rafe. Before we get there, can you just comment on what I'm
1: saying? The differentiation between an out for, for justice and a and a mark for death. What are you not loving about that difference?
0: I just I I already told you, brother. It it, it is what it is, Brian. Uh, out for justice is just better. The action is better. I like Seagal doing aikido things i like him grabbing people's arms and twisting wrists and snapping i like the stick scene in out for justice i don't need to explain this to you i think he's funnier there's more just as crazy and random and bizarre as this movie is Mark for death out for justice just blows it out the water nah, nah, i mean nah. he's throwing people he throws that poor man through a through a windshield for the for the opening sequence of the film and what like the 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 out the, the, the just over the top sadism that we see in Seagal's action and out for justice really puts it a, a level up because there, he's not just dispatching with his bad guys. He's just like torturing them. He's like, I'm going to break every single <laughs> joint on your body and then flush you down a toilet <laughs> and then leave you in pain without killing you. I mean, it's, it's, he's just the most ridiculous version of himself. It's, it's more fun. I don't, Seagal doesn't look, all right, there's some things Seagal doesn't do well that he doesn't look right when he's doing. Running is one of the famous examples. <laughs> he can't run. Hard to kill. All right. Also, also, like shoe holding guns, he doesn't look right. He does See, not look like he's handy with the machine, with the steel, if you know what well, I mean. Well,
1: mount up, regulators. I actually disagree with that, and that's partially why I have so much love for this, because you're right. It's not as over the top, gratuitous, bone breaking. There are moments specifically planted <laughs> a few, but a few broken arms that were uh, <laughs> or how about when he caught slight, the kick diet. And, all right. No, you don't understand. <laughs> and uh, but it does have him as a sniper, him in different things. I think it was his way of looking around the landscape, seeing what S- Stallone and Rambo were doing, seeing what Arnold was doing, seeing what everybody do- does and was trying to say, OK, in the action movie genre. I'm going to try to be legitimate in this flick. Then he threw out the script for Out for Justice, and it was a comic book classic. And then, of course, he went on to do a legitimate blockbuster action movie in Under Siege Part 1, which, by the way, people forget, had Tommy Lee Jones, had Gary Busey was attempting to actually cash in on his mainstream marketability. This was before that. Uh, it's, It's raw. It's great. We're going to get into it. You mentioned, though, Rafe, That Seagal has a stick.
2: He has a stick on him.
1: Yeah, you're damn right, all right? Thank you, Richard Dwyer. Richard Dwyer, who, by the way, is of Jamaican origin, I would love to hear his thoughts on whether this movie is fantastic or is a straight slap in the face to the Jamaican culture.
0: (laughs) He might not appreciate its realism on the same level that you do, Brian.
1: I didn't grab the sound, but I did listen to an Arsenio Hall interview of Seagal right when he was promoting this film and Seagal made multiple mentions to, you know, the whole time in this film, we really tried to go above and beyond to show how much we love the Jamaican community, how much we respect these people. There's none of that in this film. Did I miss something well, here? No, no. Hey,
0: in fairness, Brian, I mean, I, I hate to jump ahead, but when they make the trip to Jamaica later in the film to find, um, you know, spoiler alert, uh, one <laughs> version of Screwface. uh, you know, they, they, they do make an effort to show real street scenes and, and have the little moment where Keith David is talking to the Jamaican cop and saying, you know, I thought that all Jamaican people were drug dealers, but now I see. They're just struggling like the rest of us. He's like, you don't got to apologize, man. You know, I mean, like, it, there's a whole. They, they do the whole thing. They they do they do make that effort. It's it, just it's, after it's an hour seconds. of Jamaican drug dealers like <laughs> torturing people and having ritual sacrifices, murdering people on the streets, shooting and indiscriminately. Uh, you know, I don't know if the balance is there, but they do make that effort.
2: Yeah. So I didn't realize that Dwyer was of Jamaican heritage. What are the chances that he has a twin and that you can get the twin? To- to come on the oh, S.O.C. podcast.
0: Oh, wow. I hope they're not
2: triplets, <laughs> right?
0: Well, <Myers laughs> magic. I think that's magic.
1: He has wow. four eyes and two heads. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this was 1990, as I mentioned. Mark for Death, directed by Dwight H. Little. Raskier, movie guy, that guy ever gone to do anything? <laughs> do you want me to check his IMDb? Uh, uh, Free Willy uh, 2. I, I, will say,
2: I will say I never heard the name before I saw that this was directed by him. All
1: right. His other classics are Free Willy 2, Murder at 1600, Halloween 4. Ooh. So, all right. You know. Ooh, rave big
2: pop for Murder at 1600. Yeah, that's all a right.
1: Wesley Snipes classic. All right. Uh, It's uh,
2: edited by Fred Raskin, so congratulations <laughs> to the Raskin not family. Tr- not true, but do you want to know a Brother Fred uh, connection in this yes, movie? Yes, please. So so Seagal's niece from the movie, uh, I forget the character's name, but the one who gets uh, who gets shot up and hospitalized. Well, wasn't she that was-
0: Jordana Brewster?
2: No, it's not. It's not Jordana Brewster. The name, uh, something Harris, Danielle Harris. She. So I clicked on her name on IMDb. She was in Once Upon a, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the most recently uh, completed and released. Brother Fred. Really? Joint. Okay. She played, what... she played like one of the Charles Manson hippies. I don't know if she even had a line, but she's in it.
1: So I remember her as a kid from being in three of the Halloween movies, like the bad sequels. And I think she was in Major League Two. No, that's Michelle Burke. Major League Two was uh, Rick Vaughn's girlfriend. She was in Free Willy and City Slicker. She
2: she had some uh, roles. So every, uh,
1: Free Willy is really the movie bringing
2: everyone <laughs> together, it seems.
1: <laughs> wow. Um, all right. It's also co-produced by Seagal. No surprise here. That's been a big part of it. Rafe, as we start this foundation and we build it, Seagal's character, John Hatcher.
0: Also, oh. let me let me let me inject some some uh, some a contrast here, Brian, a Pour point of water. comparison. John Hatcher as a leading man name versus Gino Felino. Well, that was, you're, you're in you're Out I, for Justice, you're Come on. intercepting That's my a, question. Gino Felino,
2: they gave him the rhyming name. Here
1: we go, Rafe. That was my next question to you. So, who is John Hatcher? Former DEA troubleshooter who is just disillusioned with the business. Now, when you compare that to the other four characters of the Seagal. Mount Rushmore, here of his first four films. Nico Toscani of Above the Law, Mason <laughs> Storm of Hard to Kill, and Detective Gino Fellino of Out for Justice. Rafe, for me? John Hatcher's the best. It's, it's, you, y- are bugging. Rafe, you already know he's the best. Uh-oh. Bro, <laughs> seriously, tell me why I'm wrong.
0: It's the lamest name of the four. It's the most basic. Boring. The other ones uh, are like, what, what? What is out for? What is the first one in Above the Law? Nino Toscani. Nico Toscani. I'm, I'm looking at
2: the IMDb. Nico Toscani. These are some great names. Uh, exactly. Of, yeah. Yeah. John Hatcher is kind of weak sauce compared to these. I'm looking even further ahead. Forrest Taft. That's re- it's horrible, but it's so horrible. Orin Boyd. Man, this guy is so uh, KCF but, yeah. and Ryback. John on. Hatcher is definitely the most basic.
1: Well, okay, the name's basic, but let's talk about the character, the man, right? Sometimes you have to look at the man. You have to look hard at the man. As Dwyer <laughs> would say, you've got to look at the whole damn man. Um again, not as over the top as Gino Fellino, not ready to just break bones and leave him there hanging out of a windshield. But I respect this man. Whereas Mason Storm with the uh, coma beard and hard to kill, hate that guy.
0: <laughs> Fine, uh, you know one thing I do like uh, about this character is it has Seagal's like his that his weird bubbling anti-government thing is going on real strong in this. He was never afraid to just tell the man you suck, you know, like that that terrible scene early on in Mark for Death with the with his DEA DEA boss, and he's like. We've been doing this, and you know damn well it ain't—it isn't amounted to shit. And it's like the, the the picture of George Bush, the the you know George H <laughs> W Bush in the background. Like Segal never believed in the war on drugs, and good for him. Seagal was right about that one. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Was. So the, the and the fact that he's a, a DEA agent uh, reminded me of a long running discussion that Detloff and I had on the Breaking Bill podcast. That with a uh, Hank from Breaking Bad being in the DEA. Bill had a, a pet peeve about that you're repeating the A with DEA agent that he thought the A standard for agency. So it was repetitive to say agent. We later learned it's uh drug enforcement administration. No. So uh, it's not like an AT when you say ATM machine, another one that pisses a uh, Detloff <laughs> off. Uh, the DEA agent is 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 uh, totally kosher. So I uh, used to that. order
1: Coke sodas at the uh, at restaurants. My dad would always get up in arms over that. Just say Coke. All right, just do this yeah. what it is, all
2: right? Well, you don't want to, depending on where you are, if there are some Jamaican <laughs> drug top. dealers there, you know. All right, yeah. well, like I mentioned, I, uh, I, I see. One you...
0: Breaking Bad tie for, yeah. for our friend Eric Raskin here. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. In uh, Hard to Kill, okay. DEA agent Hank is at, actually plays one of the lead henchmen who is murdered, not murdered, but killed by oh. Mason Storm. Dean D- D-
2: Norris is in Hard to Kill, huh? All yes, right. he is. We'll all hard. right, put that next on the list. I've seen many
1: guys when it comes to action movies, and there's certain things that you need, right?
0: Many guys. Many guys. Many guys. Squire,
1: yes, talk about that, bro.
0: I've looked at a lot of guys. Yes, where do you look? Let's look at the entire
1: man. Um, John Hatcher's sound. But John Hatcher would be nothing. And we've talked about this when we reviewed the three Karate Kid films back in 2018. John Hatcher would be nothing without a leading villain without a heel without a legitimate threat and Rafe you always know my issue with hard to kill along with his awful running scene the really bad uh, coma beard is that there just wasn't an effective villain that made me believe he was under real trouble right it was like Steve Kerr whoever that that guy was you know great line with uh, I'll take you to the blood bank senator Trent but it's just not the same thing guys we have an all-time great villain here in Screwface. Not only is he great, he plays himself twice. He plays the Screwface twins. Spoiler <laughs> alert. But it's Basil Wallace. He is a mystical, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, there's some, Rafi, or uh, Rask, you've dabbled with Kabbalah. Um, this guy's, I don't know what he's doing <laughs> here, but I looked it up. It's a Jamaican syncretic religion of West African and Caribbean descent known as Obia? Obey? Obia? And it's similar to Haitian voodoo in Santeria. He's got mystical powers. He's ripped. He walks around in a banana hammock. He's got weird scar tattoos all over his body, and he's got creepy buggy-ass green eyes. Fellas, talk me off a ledge. Name a better movie villain during this era. Please, go ahead. Try. Try. Look at him now. Try.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, if you want me to go not with the some sort of weird, wacky choice and just play it straight. I mean, come on, Hans Gruber. I mean, I know it's an obvious choice, but it's hard to say Screwface is a better late 80s, early 90s action movie villain than Hans frickin' Gruber.
0: What about Robert Patrick in Terminator 2?
2: No, yeah, no, it's no, another no, good no, one. No, no, another no. one that I, I rewatched that in the last few months and uh, holds up pretty darn well. But
0: you at me.
1: And I
2: say, look at us now,
1: look at him now, Basil Wallace, because it's, he, he avoids becoming a comical villain. And I know we fall in love with these comical <laughs> 80s and 90s action okay. movies. My personal take is, guys, I was that shit scared of him as a kid watching it. And maybe that's why this movie affected me so much. I loved it. I'm still scared of this MF-er. D- did he somehow, Brian, did Brian, he somehow Brian, dissect this is, this a piece This
0: is why of my media soul? and racist tropes are a real problem in American <laughs> society.
1: Ray, Brian, I'm not saying I- I'm scared of him because he's black. I'm saying I'm scared of him because I feel like just by proxy of watching this movie, he may own a piece of my soul right now.
2: Let me ask you this, Brian: Were you also scared around the same time period whenever the "Blame It on the Rain" video came on MTV? Because the <laughs> second this guy appeared on my screen, I wrote down that really? Millie Vanilli dude is creepy. Oh, come and on. then it turns out there is a Millie and a Vanilli, and I'm not sure which is which. But it really, the whole thing feels to me like the Millie Vanilli backstory here, perhaps.
1: All right, Rafe, that's racist. What he just said right there. Come on, come on. <laughs>
0: You know, uh, let me ask you another question, Brian. Uh, Were you also afraid of um, Nino Brown, the drug dealer in New Jack City? He
1: was awesome. Nino Brown's an all-time great character. But um, I don't see how you guys could no-sell this. He played the shit out of this role. Basil, here, uh, Screwface. I mean, he played both roles. But he played (laughs) the crap out of it, guys. I mean, the best scene in this whole damn movie. I teased the sound earlier is when John Hatcher spoiler alert gets some payback for what happened kills a couple henchmen the word gets back to Screwface number 1 where in a odd empty warehouse where there's a pool table and a dominoes table he's playing dominoes with his boys and they come up and whisper to him I'll play it one more time best i did who do the white boy hatcher he proceeds to stand up, put his dominoes down, I would think to win the game. I don't know how dominoes work. Flips the table, breaks a leg off the table, and then beats down one of his guys with it before this epic rant.
0: I want Hatcher dead. I want his family dead. And if you can't kill him, I go kill him. Did I
1: gonna kill you? Hey guys, that's the brilliance behind... Is this... Okay, that's the brilliance behind this character. <laughs> he puts so much fear in his own people that if they didn't treat him like a god and do his bidding, he gonna kill them! Rafe, they're more afraid of him than I am!
0: Campbell is fired up. And and one of the more effective scenes uh, in developing that character, Brian, I think, is actually... It doesn't even uh have screw face in it it's the one where Seagal... First encounters one of his henchmen in that in that apartment building. Uh, it was probably right after he killed Jimmy Fingers, and he's got the Rasta in there, and he's like, "Take me to Screwface." He's like, "I know, I don't, I, I don't know Screwface, man." And he's like, and he starts beating him up, roughing him up a little bit, and he says, "All right, I'll take you." And then he's like, "I ain't gonna take you there. Screwface won't kill me a thousand times uh, for worse than you, you know, for every time you kill me." And he jumps out the window rather than face what Screwface has waiting for him. That if that that makes.
1: That was Screwface <laughs> uh, threatening his own people. And you're right. That scene is incredible. We'll get into that. But uh, that was just me telling you that like 50% of why I think this movie is an all time action classic is maybe the best action movie ever is because this man, Screwface, epic performance. Okay, I know you guys I, I, I know you guys are not willing to hear that. You're like move on. No,
2: well listen, listen. Obviously I I shouted down your idea that he's like the greatest uh, action movie villain ever, but he is a good villain. I like the look, I like the character. Um, I like when he did the Jurassic Park spit in the, in the, in the face with all the, uh, that which, which by the way, was one of my favorite scenes for reasons I probably shouldn't be uh, admitting, but just, uh, you know, when he got the Hatcher sister tied up and they're cutting up her shirt and stuff, it was, it was hot. Um, but, uh, and <laughs> I don't and, want uh, her body. <laughs> and, and, uh, um, just, uh, one to double back to something from like five minutes ago. I just got to ask you guys, uh, rate my coma beard. Wow,
0: does it compare?
2: Does it compare with Prime uh, Steven Seagal Coma Beard? How are we doing here? It's the
0: a little thing too about much. Stephen Seagal Coma Beard is that it was just it was so stringy and fake that it just it, it, it was you not could buy thick it at all. Spirit
1: at Spirit Halloween, you could but where you could buy the the Mason Storm Coma Beard, they probably did that day. <laughs> but uh, shout out to Raff Spirit, very manly Rask. That, that, that thank that's thank you, very manly. All right, we start in Mexico and they're building the foundation here. That for, that DEA troubleshooter John Hatcher just is disillusioned with the role he plays in the war on drugs and that there's really no way to win it. But Rask, Hollywood shout out, Danny Trejo is our first guy who takes a beat and, and gets dumped into a trunk. I thought that was his first movie. It was like his fifth. He was 46 during this, but Rask. <laughs> wow.
2: Yeah. It took me a second to recognize him at first. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was good. That was good to see him. There were a few of those, uh, like, Oh, good to see that guy moments. Uh, Kevin Dunn from Veep, who pops yes. up as the uh, uh I forget exactly the what his FBI role was Not ex ex former I guess he was Hatcher's boss at some point or coworker or whatever. I couldn't totally follow all the all the all the minor plot developments and who the characters were, but that was another one that uh that jumped out at me as and uh, oh yeah, I, I I recognize that guy. Uh and uh, I mentioned the sister before. Now I don't uh, know her from anything, uh but I, she did strike me as looking somewhere between Sigourney Weaver and Hillary Swank. Would you would you give me she's kind of the happy medium between those two?
1: Well, I'll I'll go over the top and say that I think she's the worst part of this entire movie. I hate her mm. character. I hate her reactions. And if she has to have a swank like million dollar baby ending, <laughs> like I'm cheering for Screwface in the times that that she's facing off with him.
2: I'll I'll so give you but- she she did have the worst single line reading there of the movie. I laughed out loud during Johnny, They Hurt My Baby. Is that they what you were going for, Rafe? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. It was rough.
1: Uh, let's stay in sequential here, Rafe. I want to get your thoughts on this <laughs> opening sequence. The last time we see Hatcher as a DA agent, it's a drug deal in Mexico that he's undercover on, and the drug deal goes wrong, and we get our first real legitimate This Is Seagal beatdown. Is this legit? Was it badass, and was it legitimate? when there was a sword held up against him and two guns. And in one motion, he grabbed or not a sword, a knife. He grabs the knife, spins, chops off the arm of the guy holding the guns, completes the 360 spin, and guts a guy's throat while he comes around, grabs the other gun, and shoots people down. Badass, Rafe.
0: I appreciated the way that the arm just... Cleaved straight off was there was no no issue there not didn't have to saw through it just bang fell off like i don't i like like a like a sack of potatoes
1: yes and unfortunately chico had to die
0: what are you are you crazy i mean probably a hundred people saw us chasing him chico since when did anybody ever accuse me of being sane
1: And that's when we realized that, uh, come on, on. Hatcher's a legitimate badass, right? He doesn't care about rules. He doesn't care about protocol. And that takes us to the confessional in the
0: church. Thank you. Where he's
1: more or less (laughs) done with this job. And he has a particularly memorable talk with the priest in the confessional booth.
0: Father, I just killed a woman. I've lied. I've slept with informants. I've taken drugs. I've falsified evidence. I did whatever I had to do to get the bad guys. I realized something. That I had become what I most despise.
1: Now, now admittedly, that sounds a lot better on paper, on the script. This does show you the lack of uh, legit chops in depth as an actor Rask I mean I love that scene but uh, this is where maybe the holes start to come in
2: yeah it's it struck me early on that uh, Seagal feels like he's trying to sound a lot like Brando or maybe that's his real voice uh, whether he's trying to or not but either way He's not quite brando let's let's well, let's say that much as an actor he's not terrible he doesn't like ruin the the movie by any stretch, but uh yeah he's no uh he's there 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 was there was clearly no academy award future awaiting him after this
1: now rafe we don't need great action movies to have a sound story arc or to make a lot of sense or to be believable that's why we love a commando or an out for justice, but i'm going to spend the next you know, this whole show trying to fight it, that this could have happened, that this was believable, despite some of the bad acting. Rafe, the foundation that they've built of this disillusioned DAA agent, which leads to that conversation that you talked about with his boss. Hey, nothing we ever did amounted to shit, and you know it. And that's his go-away line to his boss. Um. Is this believable? Does this work for you? This whole idea that this badass has had enough, Rafe. hes going home to retire.
0: You know, I mean, I would—I—I I, I gotta agree with you there, Brian, because I—I've once been in that position, looking in the eye of the sports guy and saying, <laughs> "Nothing we ever did amounted to shit," and you know it. <laughs>
2: speaking speaking of the sports guy can we uh can we take that twitter recommendation from someone and call this pod the rewashedables yeah. are we, i'm are not we cool familiar
0: with that, with that reference
2: <laughs> right i figured you wouldn't be maybe bc knows it. if you're rocking is that out of anger or do you have to
1: use the restroom
0: no i i i don't have to use the restroom for once
1: all right uh i mentioned hatcher's a, a badass i think a big part of this is this black car I'm telling you, John Hatcher is Seagal's coolest role. Okay, it's not Gino Fellino walking into a bar and with a cue ball and a sock, but he's got an airing, one airing, and it's and it's well done. It's got this weird kind of curl on it. There's no lame coma beard. Yes, he's lacking a love interest in this film, and there's a little bit of a spark that he may be getting in with that lady. I don't know who she works with. She researches tribal patterns of Jamaicans at crime scenes and she goes all out to basically just thirst monger Seagal in this film. And he <laughs> wants nothing to do with it.
0: I finally met a guy who's nice, not married, gay, or trying to find himself. And he's trying very hard to get himself
1: killed. Well, he's trying to pay back what they've done to his family, but...
0: Um, that's not the line brian the line is when she's she's like inspecting the crime scene and she's looking at like the rune that they've they've drawn on to the wall with chalk and the fbi and she says yes to the fbi guy oh who's that oh he retired and he she's she's like he still looks functional to me
1: (laughs) So while I'm trying to paint him as a badass with a cool airing, a really cool car, I don't know what that is, is that a Camaro? I don't know. Okay, but, let's,
0: let's, let's, fine. Good, good, no, no. that was a Mustang, Brian, that was a Ford Mustang, but let's, let's Look at also, this Detroit
1: guy, Detroit auto body, uh, auto. I guy. just,
0: I just noticed the Mustang logo, I don't, I can't tell you when it, which, what model it was, or nothing like that, but. What about some of the other details that we can uh, point to from Seagal's uh, cool factor? This I mean, is, I'm his, ask what about this... the double-breasted dragon jacket okay. he's wearing you, throughout the Rafe, movie?
1: You are thinking what I'm about to say. So while I'm establishing this foundation that Hatcher's so freaking cool, great car, all this stuff, uh, he goes out to the bar one night, and he's wearing a black velvet jacket with Golden dragons on the front and a giant golden tiger. That's Joe Exotic worthy. Shout out to Netflix on the back. Um, I- I'm not gonna lie to you. This is a counter argument to everything I've been saying about John Hatcher. It's Segalian <laughs> to the core, Rafe. To the core. But if it, this is maybe why I love this movie so much. If it was real Segal, he'd be in like a kimono, right? This is almost <laughs> like the director was like, "Look, bro, we gotta shave this down a little bit and try to be real and badass." Segal's so like, "All right." But in my contract, I need a jacket. OK, I need a Seagal jacket. And they 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 compromise there. I don't think it's enough to take me out of it, but it sure threatens it.
0: Did you guys notice the there's one scene, just one scene where he is wearing this weird scarf tie? It's very short. He's outside. He's got like a it's almost like a, a silk scarf. Like, tied an, like around an ascot, his neck. kind of. Yeah, but not tied like most ascots. It is. a. it is bizarre. Uh,
1: Raskin, from the standpoint of me trying to defend Hatcher's coolness, he does go back to his, I assume, his his childhood home in Lincoln Heights, Illinois. We see his last distillation of his bedroom, probably at the end of his high school run before he left for the military, because you see a picture of that. He's got framed guns on this frame that doesn't have glass, and he's pulling old Civil War mini handguns out and retooling them. And then we see a football jersey on the wall. That oddly enough says Lincoln Heights HS on the on the back where your name would be, with number fifty-two. <laughs> not, about the,
0: not about the name on the back, Brian.
1: With number fifty, are we? I mean, now look, we know that this man is like six four and he's like thin and he runs like a girl. Is there right. any way, Rask, that you can believe that number fifty-two was a badass high school linebacker in suburban <laughs> Chicago?
2: First of all, I I started to say right without realizing that sentence was going to end with runs like a girl. I do not endorse runs like a girl. Let me be clear about that. But I was picturing the idea of like the wide receiver streaking down the sidelines, running really fast with his hands at his sides. That's (laughs) that's just a great football image. Yeah, I'm willing to buy it, though. I mean, yeah, he could be he could be he could have been a receiver, a tight end. I mean, uh, yeah, he's skinny, but a lot of high school football players are skinny. I'm 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 okay with that. Um. I do want to hit on something, though, uh, in in the bar scene that you that you mentioned where he, I, I know I'm kind of jumping around a little here. I'm sorry if I'm taking over a little bit here, no, at B.C., no. but um, did he say what I think he said during the bar scene? Uh, well, let, I,
1: let's see. Let's see. Rask.
2: Some hormones in here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of tight ends. Uh, yeah, that's regrettable all these
0: years. Later, yeah. Rask. Yeah. I, I
2: was wondering, you know, was that allowed in 1990? And I'm just viewing it through the current. Prism. I thought it
0: was hormones.
2: Could have been. Let's go with that. Let's say that he said some hormones in here. It certainly feels out of place for
1: for 2020. And is is uh, but like even then it kind of fell out of place. It was just sort of like, yeah, we know you're tough. You don't have to like double and triple down. And by the way, it didn't look like there were a lot of those guys in there. It looked like a lot of tough. Tough, tough gang members, right? <laughs> like it looked like. Yeah, the Jamaican side. You had. All right, we'll get to that in a second.
0: Why? Why does? Why did Jamaican and I don't know if it's Italian or or Mexican or Puerto Rican. I, it's unclear I what kind of. I think no. We're the, we're the, told the,
1: that some. I I assume they were Mexican. We're later told in Puerto the, Rican in the street scene that they Cuban. are. Uh, stay with me here. Stay with me here. Are you still? With, are you with me? Are you with? <laughs> uh, me? yeah. Tell tell me. Are you? Uh. All right. Well, Colombian. I believe.
0: Columbia, okay? <laughs> there's some Centuria there.
1: Uh, yeah. I ain't got uh, no be- crystal ball, Rafe, okay? I mean, you know. <laughs> um, but,
0: really but yeah, want- what what kind of, like, like weird, crappy Irish saloon roadhouse has that scene going on in it? It doesn't make any kind of sense.
1: All right. The first sort of introduction of, of who these villains will be, this Jamaican drug team, is on the football field. When Seagal shows up to reunite with, at first it seems like his old football coach. Then you sort of realize, as the movie goes on, that they're buddies. And I got to shout out Keith David, who plays Max Keller here. And right away, you're like, I know that guy. And, and Wait, I'm like, is the Max? character's name is Max <laughs> Keller? Is that right? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I wonder if he's a... He's a, not what, getting wow. up from that one. <laughs> <laughs> Max Kellerman uh, is the character. So Keith David is a total that guy. I'm like, platoon, 100%. And then I did that thing where... I don't say, Ray, if I'm racist and all black guys look like I'm like, is that this guy, this guy, and this guy? I'm like, no, that's Ernie Hudson. That's uh, Lou Gossett Jr. So I gave him too many roles in the end. But I certainly know Keith David. And I think he hits a home run here as a sidekick. Your thoughts?
0: Oh, yo, know, I-, I I'm in on every Keith David appearance. I know I am. I guess I'm going to go and be the guy who... Immediately jumps to Requiem for a dream and talks ass to ass with you guys. But, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of memorable roles for Keith David.
1: Reality Bites, Men at Work, Braddock, Missing in Action 3, which Some, I can get Something down. about Mary is the first thing I think of when I see oh, that true. guy. But, yeah. Great character actor. Okay, so here's my first issue with the movie. Outside of Hatcher as a linebacker, who would frame his own jersey? Because he's clearly a, like a military nerd weirdo who's going to kill people later in life. And he does in this movie. Um. The first drug deal takes place, guys. I've been a part of things like this before. A, you certainly don't want to do it anywhere near a school because they'll add on charges. They're doing it on the bleachers while football practice is going on. There's two Jamaican drug dealers who are handing out a joint to this like goofy white dude. Isn't it and great
0: it, when he takes that hit though, and he's like,
1: "Whoa, cool!" And 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 he and you're like. Bro, that's in full vision of what's going on. Like on the football field, I'm like, okay. But then I go, look, maybe this is the ghetto. Maybe this suburban Chicago Lincoln Heights is just straight ghetto. I didn't grow up in Manhattan like Rafe. Maybe this happens all the time on the playground. But then they go next level where I had a problem. And that's when they go, you like that, <laughs> but do you like this? If you like that, you should try some of this thing right here. Send you right to heaven. That cloud nine looks soft. Is that crack?
2: That it is, man.
1: <laughs> is that crack? And then, next that level, it is, man. the Jamaican guy goes, but you don't want to try this. you too comfy. Make you want to love all the time. And, like, the, the suburban white girl princess goes, I'll try it. Yeah, and she smokes crack like,
0: right there. I'll do it. That <laughs>
1: ain't happening anywhere.
2: Come on. Okay,
0: you skipped over another uh, – when they're talking to just the guy – who looks kind of like a poor man's, uh, what's his name? Ian Ziering from 90210 yes. with the, except with different color hair. Ian, Ian. Yeah. Ian, my bad. Um, <laughs> and so they're, they're, they're giving him the weed earlier. And did you, they, they I couldn't tell. Do you think it was an intentional sneak diss on Bobby McFerrin? Because after, after they, they give him a hit, the, 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 the you know, the, the Rasta says, don't worry. They're like, don't worry, man. Just be happy. I know, like, ooh, are you? Are, are we taking shots at poor Bobby McFerrin? Just, I mean, like, yeah, that was like a Caribbean-inspired sounding song, but it, I didn't think it was hey, a a drug anthem. So here's a little credit. crack that you might like. Yeah, I got to give him credit.
1: I think this soundtrack bangs. You want to talk about music in general? They got Jimmy Cliff like in the movie singing. Remember that one part?
0: <laughs> you, you haven't lived until you've
2: watched Brian Campbell dance in an argyle sweater.
1: <laughs> this song. That, um, and also that was other <laughs> was, that,
0: was that Keith Thurman singing uh, singing ah. Nepali uh, wedding songs.
1: There's also that other song that plays throughout. With, this whole movie Jimmy was Cliff. a
0: tug and war of kindness. I again. can't yeah. get
1: no justice. And this system. Love it. Love the scene they said. All right. So we get our first look at Screwface at his lair. He's got a pool. Doesn't that kind of look like, remember in Half Baked when they had, um, Sir Smoke a Lot? It kind of looks uh, like his setup. Every,
0: every, every movie comes back to Half Baked with you.
1: Uh, all right. There's a drug deal. We get our first look at him. Guys, it's impressive. You get the bug eyes. You get the dreads. You get the body. And he quotes and says, everybody want to go to heaven. But nobody want to be dead. Afraid. And then you get that first feeling like there's something extra to this guy. There's something spiritual going on. And he yells, I be everywhere. Guys, upon first watch, did you have any idea that this was teasing toward the idea that there's two of them? Did you get that sort of tease when you saw the other guy around the corner?
0: Uh, No, sir. Oh, that's true. They do show that. But still, I didn't quite. I I didn't. I I,
2: I. Yeah. I didn't notice that at all. I when when the the woman says the line about two faces and four eyes, that's where I you're supposed I assume you're supposed to kind of piece it together. And I did immediately think I guess maybe there are two of them. And so then uh, I know I'm jumping w- way ahead, but I uh, I'll give myself a little pat on the back that when he beheaded the first one, I w- it, w- it happened way too quickly. So at that point, I was 100 percent certain there was and a. You're second talking one. about when Seagal goes to Jamaica,
1: he finds that informant who used to party with Screwface but now she's willing to double-cross him because Screwface killed her sister.
0: Screwface has two head
2: and four eyes, and that is the secret to his magic.
1: And we eventually find out that Screwface wants to kill everybody, and that's why everybody wants to have a role in taking him down. It's why Keith David, as the football coach, eventually admits as he's trying to pull Seagal into this war. and that, that, keeps saying, that
0: came out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, Seagal this whole time is like, nope, I'm out. I'm not in this. I'm not a part of this. And then Keith David drops, oh, yeah, by the way, my 13-year-old nephew got killed in their crack house. And you're like, oh, okay, he's got to play in this. Yet Seagal, every time, even after in that dance club or that pool hall bar, a shooting breaks out, Seagal gets involved by taking a gun away from a Jamaican guy and, and punching him. And afterwards, FBI guy's trying to get him.
2: Why don't you help us out in this one? Because I'm out. You know
0: what? Hey, come on, Hatcher. It's in the blood. <laughs> if it's in the blood, I get a transfusion, all right? Buy
1: so that, Lieutenant. Like the So that's the like We're building to this thing, Rafe. It's inevitable that he's going to join the war. But up to this point, he's holding pretty firm. You good with this? You good with the story? I'm good
0: with this. I was going to interject, Brian, because I know that we are coming up on about 10 minutes from when we have to bid adieu to our great guest, Eric Raskin. He's got a hard out. He can't waste an entire morning like we can. (laughs) And uh, I want to I want to give the floor to Raskin to just riff on on movie observations here
2: oh thank you rafe i, I appreciate that so, all right, i'll just right. I'll just hit a few, a- few quick things we haven't hit that we haven't hit on yet one is uh they don't make very many movies with this many nude scenes anymore like it feels like every ten twelve minutes you're getting some nudes and that's a, that's a positive i I appreciate that this movie you know you never have to go more than about ten twelve minutes without seeing some naked stripper or something so that was good um I found it you guys were talking about how rafe. Was hoping for more hand to hand combat and like the, whatever the, you described his form of martial arts as. Aikido. Aikido. Okay. So I've just loved that during, there was one scene where he is fighting with a guy and for no reason whatsoever he does this quick hilarious kata movement in (laughs) in between in between uh punches just to to show you that he uh that he has a legit martial arts background was was he like a a real martial arts standout before he got into uh acting like was he like bruce lee he had like a real he had achieved something in martial arts then he opened
1: up his own school in japan and he was like legitimate right
0: yeah, he was, though. He was a legitimate martial artist. He's also, isn't he a, still considered um sort of a, a high lama in in, uh, in Buddhism? A high lama? Yes, yeah. He is like some <laughs> wow. sort of, he has been sort of anointed somehow by by birth.
1: He might be a Russian citizen like Roy Jones as well, right? <laughs> that, okay. I think he that is, too. too. He's
0: also a noted carrot eater.
1: Raph, did you pick <laughs> out, speaking of every guys that we're picking out, one of the henchmen of Screwface, did you catch him as the guy in the black or white Michael Jackson video? Remember at the end of the video oh, when they do the face changes, he's the last guy, the guy with the dreadlocks and the beard.
2: Thank you, BC, because I was—he did look familiar, and I was like, "Where do I know him from?" Was he like on The Heights or what is this guy from? <laughs> yes, that's it—the Michael Jackson. Oh, thank you. That's that's huge. I feel much better now that you—I uh, beat I, I the the that guy from
0: me. Only the Strong, right? I
2: don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't know what
0: that is. He, he played—he
2: played like a rasta in four or five different movies. Yeah. Oh, all right. So uh, so let me give you my favorite scene. Other other than maybe when he uh is attacking the sister on the table and cutting her shirt open. Uh I really enjoyed the car crushing scene. That was that was that was cool. Uh a bit ridiculous that Screwface didn't just shoot him when he was stuck in the car and instead lights the back seat on fire and gives him a chance to get away, but that's like standard action movie villain stuff that was fun to see the car getting crushed and he's got no way out brings back like star wars trash compactor memories that was a solid scene
1: are you are, the only thing i'm caught off in that is like that's an elaborate construction scene that they planned hoping that seagal went home that way that day to try to trap him with a dump truck and a crane and all that you all right with that and believability
2: yeah i'm i am I was certainly willing to suspend enough disbelief to get to that point. That was that was, that was all right with me. One of the best lines that I wrote down, or I don't know if it's best, but just stood out. Uh, I'm sure you have this clip queued up, but I'm a Jamaican cop, man, and screwface ease my career. That was a good line.
1: That's Charles, who's the Jamaican cop that sort of joins this team. And look, Seagal right. gets a part of it when they finally get to him. Right, they come to his house. They sh- they do a drive by shooting. They get his they get his niece, right? The niece that we talked about. You got that right. awful scene in the hospital when his sister is pounding on his chest and blaming him coming back for this. And then he <laughs> turns, by the way, quickly to the doctor.
0: Let yeah, do me tell you Doc. You treat this girl like she's the president of the United States.
2: And <laughs> that was another good line.
0: You treat all of our patients exactly, <laughs> the taste like the president of the United States, okay?
2: Yeah, not, not top shelf acting. What else you got for us? <laughs> Uh, so I'll just I'll just leave you with a with a question, what what's better, Rocky Balboa punching hanging meat or Steven Seagal shooting hanging meat?
0: I'm gonna go with the shooting. That was pretty cool. With the it was really, or... they were they were they were destroying that meat.
2: And Rafe, he had the <laughs> same
1: goggles on that that guy, the Manny Pacquiao's guy that always stands behind him.
0: Had. Oh, Javit <laughs> sings on. Do yeah. not make any jokes about him. He will kill us all.
1: <laughs> De- delete that part. Edit it out. <laughs> Cut it out. Uh Rask. I do apologize for going long and not giving you enough of the
2: floor here, but um. No, no, no. I got plenty of floor. Well, can you uh, I rank? Wish, I wish I could stay longer. Go. I, I got rank, two more minutes. What's rank,
0: up, rank the naked women. Uh Do you prefer uh, <laughs> naked Santorio woman, the priestess who, uh, for part of her ritual, includes like go, ha- taking a milk bath with some flowers before <laughs> yeah, spitting so, rum on a chicken? Well, and, then
1: she, te- so she blew I, cigar at a picture of Screwface, and then he woke up. Right? Is that what's that? That's that voodoo that she do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I will say the one that uh, that when he gets to Jamaica and we—I don't think we even see her naked—but the one who's dancing and then set, tells him the about screwface. Uh, yeah, she was, That was uh, the dance scene was solid there. Um, As the wife walks by, hey, shout right, out to it, it, exactly, good timing. <laughs> uh, but yeah I do I do probably have to uh to jet on you now guys. Ras, could you give a final sort of proper
1: rating to this movie before Rafe and I go, uh, get through the the double screw face death and really take this thing home? Um in so, the action vein t- 10 point right. must system. What do you got here?
2: All right, I'm probably going to break your heart a little bit here BC cuz I know you love it and it might t- maybe it's a movie that takes multiple viewings to properly appreciate. Maybe I needed to see it Around the time it came out, to properly appreciate it. So, with all those caveats, uh, I'll give it like a four out of ten. Oh, it's uh, I didn't hate you. it. I by no means did. I think. Oh, I regret watching this. This is terrible. But I couldn't get into it. BC. It wasn't. It wasn't for me. Well, all we need is for the screw
1: face posse to take out a member of your family, Rafe, and then like like John Hatcher, you're in it, brother.
0: But uh, I don't, yeah, I think I think Eric, just check check your door later today. Uh, Brian Campbell is going to risk his life to drive down to uh, to Pennsylvania and and put a cow's tongue on there for you. You are marked.
1: <laughs> you are next, my friend. Can, uh, Golovkin, you are marked, my friend. Eric Raskin. Raskin! Where can you people are next, find my more? Where can people find more of your salt and pepper beer? Uh,
2: Let's see. So definitely check out uh, Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney podcast. Or if you're into the boxing stuff, uh, we are one of the top two boxing podcasts on the planet. Uh, obviously, SOC being the other. Uh, and uh, check me out uh, on Twitter at Eric Raskin and uh, USBets.com is where you can find all my gambling work. Love it. Thank you so much. If you're looking for a great book about poker, poker, I just oh, yeah. met her. Uh, the moneymaker effect. People still talking about that, Rask, all right? <laughs> you are anyway. One person. It's not people, but persons still talking about that. Yeah, well,
1: special thanks to my man Rask. Rafe, we roll on here, and we really they they've pulled John Hatcher in. We've established how how badly. And there's there's like stages to Hatcher getting pulled back into this war. I won't do it. I won't do it. You certainly get the feeling after they shot down his house. And put his niece in the hospital. And his sister's blaming him for it. That's obviously the first moment of like, I'm in. Now you can argue in the nightclub. When he punched the guy out and took his gun. He was in. He was certainly in from the Jamaican standpoint. But they went after his family, Rafe. It's on. And where does he go? Right to Jimmy friggin fingers, Rafe. Who is that? He's a former Atlantic City casino owner. I want to see if Rast knew him, by the way, who uh, is bankrolling the Jamaicans. And we see them in the club, have a moment. But he goes in and Jimmy Fingers is with two ladies. And Rafe, tell me if this sound drop I'm about to hit you with ain't the perfect example of how cool John Hatcher is. Let me tell you something. You bailed out a Jamaican street named Monkey the other day? I want him. This other piece of shit, screw face. I want him. I know you, you're a scumbag and a puke. I don't mind that. You give me what I need, I'm gonna leave her a nice guy. You don't, I'm gonna fuck you up. Right. that's that's awesome.
0: You know what that is? You know how awesome that is? That is classic. It's not just not not just classic cigar. That is classic Gino Felino, alright? That is busting down the door of the butcher shop and saying, anybody know why Richie Madano did Bobby Lupo?
1: So he uh he tells the the tricks to run away there's a jamaican guy hiding in the bathroom Rafe. who he he briefly uh he should have known that there were two ladies you know that's a good point mm-hmm. uh so jimmy fingers as we mentioned does the whole i'm a made man no god made men says hatcher shoots him in the head but then we get what you talked about which is we saw earlier in the movie before the scene where Screwface stands in front of his group gives that speech about if, you know, if, if somebody wrongs you, and by the way, how intense was Screwface when he got in his man's face, like like face-off, stare-down moment, and, and gave that speech that we talked about? If a man commit a crime against you,
0: he must be paid back a thousand times! <laughs> Who you fear? Him. I
1: mean. I mean it's chilling. It's brilliant. Who
0: yeah. in and terms of stare downs, Brian, yes. if we can if we can cross back into the world of boxing yes. for a moment, where where would you rank that on the scale of, you know, stare downs from say Peter McNeely to Kareem Mayfield to prime Mike Tyson?
1: Uh it's it's definitely more intense than uh, Floyd putting his mouth over Victor Ortiz's nose. Yeah. It's definitely okay. more intense than that time that guy grabbed David the White Rhino Allen's crotch and held it when he stuffed a sock in there. Rafe, it's the most intense crap I've ever seen. In fact, seriously, that that sound drop really paints the picture that gets fully illustrated when that man jumps through the damn window and kills himself because, Rafe, you, he, what does he say to Hatcher? What is it? uh Screwface, give me a thousand deaths worth than you. Find him your effing self.
0: And wow. then he laughs while jumping head first out of a really, really tall window.
1: And then when, when uh, Hatcher comes back to street level,
0: the FBI guy, wa- no,
1: not the FBI guy, uh, uh, Coach wants to know what happened.
0: Well? One thought he was
1: invincible, the other thought he could fly.
0: So? They were both wrong.
1: Damn, this is a great movie. All right, we 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 head to the uh, the scene we talked about. They tell Screwface it's on. We're ready, and they come for Hatcher's sister. Rafe, what were they setting her up for? They add her on the table. Screwface chops open her shirt. Rasky's popping in blood. They do like a smiling face.
0: He's painting a an interesting face there. I mean, this is why we need the professor, uh, professor woman, lady, hot person to come in and explain exactly the significance of that image but I'm, I'm guessing it was something i mean didn't he say that now like he he's he her soul belongs to him and he was about to put that big big old dagger down in there i mean it looked like some temple of doom stuff
1: when he says to her this is Screwface. it's not your body we want it's your dreams i own you now is he basically just saying I'm scaring you so badly that I'm going to haunt you forever? Or is it the deeper mystical stuff that he's going to kill? No, I
0: think think he's going to take her whole soul, so to speak.
1: (laughs) Take a whole soul away. Uh, So they'd put the cow tongue on the door. They'd put that Jamaican symbol on the rugs. Hatcher gets home just in time to run them off. And Rafe, if it wasn't on in the hospital, it's now double, triple on. This is the moment where Hatcher went to, like, I don't care about D.A.E.A. agents. I don't care about breaking the law. I don't care about anything. Lock
0: me up. Kill me. I don't care about his people. I don't care about his family. I don't care about his life. You think I care what that Jamaican guy did? Yeah, I do. Right? I
1: mean, he does. Um, I mean, by the way, they had cut the phone line at the Hatcher house. They had apparently killed the, the guard, the protection who was out front. Um, it, It's on, brother
0: it has got to be one of the worst, worst, like the, the highest percentage of like you're guaranteed to die roles in an action movie. It's like the, the two nondescript police officers detailed to watch over a, a witness like in protective custody. <laughs> like you are going to get dragged out of that car and killed.
1: And Seagal's sisters fired up and scared and dead almost.
0: <laughs> he said he'd be back. He said he'd kill us both. Somehow, I don't think he's going to get the chance.
1: That's the moment. That's the turning point. We're on. Um Brian
0: I- Brian you you hate women and you don't really Whoa. like women in movies. Whoa. Uh so uh, you didn't like this character uh Hatcher's sister. Do, do you do you would you have preferred if he had just, you know, offed her right in that scene and then gone on with killing Screwface? I mean,
1: look, I'm not going to like sit here and be like uh she doesn't deserve to have certain levels of anger and grief that her daughter got shot up because her psycho brother, DEA agent FBI guy, rejoined the 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 area and got mixed up in a nightclub brawl with actual gang members. I'm not saying she's out of bounds, Rafe. I mean, they did put a cow tongue on her front door, come into her house and a- attempt to ritualize her in like a sacrifice. So yet at the same time, Rafe, she's completely unlovable.
0: Like, I, I, look, I, I can't. I don't really disagree with you. I just wanted to run it by you. Do I mean, you? I would honestly, this, this, with these movies, you know, mor- morality ain't got nothing to do with it. I don't care if if, if Hatcher gets t- sick and tired of his annoying sister and wants to, you know, throw her through a windshield. I would, I would pop for that. Uh, do you think Hatcher popped
1: for that that lady we're talking about? Do you think it happened? Because they're leaving it to believe that he's so focused on retribution that he ain't got time for that ish.
0: Well, this also brings up some of the more disturbing real life, uh, stories about how Seagal would behave on movie sets. And, uh, if they, if they didn't do it, if they didn't shoot, I, I think there may have been a scene. I wouldn't have been surprised if they shot a love scene and just for whatever reason, uh, chose to leave it out. Uh, oh, and I would, and even if they didn't, I do expect that Seagal probably, uh, Stepped over some boundaries, some professional boundaries with that actress. <laughs> Normally, I'd be like, Rafe, come on. You don't know that. You can't
1: make those type of guesses or statements. But yeah, it happened. I mean, it, it you know, like we, we, you want to sit both here, know.
0: We both know. We, we want to
1: sit here as, as, as well as we can and, and, and act like we, you know, everyone, you know. We
2: both know it did exist. I don't know what you're talking about. Seriously. You you can say you don't know what I'm talking about.
0: But But I'm seriously saying it. And
1: you know. It did exist. Uh, So we're on like Donkey Kong. Coach. Hatch. They're in the Dodge Ram Charger. And Rafe, this is the line of the movie. Tell me if I'm wrong. Because this whole time, Keith David has wanted Hatch to cross that line. Get his own retribution for his 13-year-old nephew, Rafe. It wanted it to be on. Bro, it's on.
0: Can't wait to nail this fucker. This is going to be fun. Serious fun.
1: And the bad guys drive up next to him. You want some blow? I'm going to blow your face off. And we got a incredible scene. A long scene that's a car chase through a public park all up and down the side. Rafe. The amount Driving of people,
0: on the sidewalk was impressive.
1: The amount of people that they are putting in danger, innocent people in in a in a downtown city, is incredible. It ends with the bad guys crashing. That's what men
0: do, Brian? It is.
1: It ends with bad guys crashing into the jewelry store, Rafe, and now it gets awesome. But up to this point, shouldn't Hatcher be jailed for all of this, Rafe? I know it's payback, but he's a DEA agent who they told him to stay out of it when that fbi guy assumed that hatcher killed jimmy fingers he's like stay out of this man even though 5 minutes earlier he's trying to recruit him Rafe, shouldn't hatcher have been like put away for a lifetime for basically i mean there's like hundreds of people that could have died in this sequence
0: hatcher is not the i, I, I it's not i mean look it's not hatcher's fault that they that 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 the that, that the rostas ran and and were putting all those people in danger Hatcher was just chasing them. He was in pursuit. But he was getting personal retribution along with coach Keith
1: David there. So it's like, along with Max Kellerman. It's like, I don't know if that's justified. I was, this whole movie, I'm like, they're going to be owed some, a, a receipt for this Rafe, right?
0: Luckily, uh, amazingly, almost no one was 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 hurt in that car chase. Right? They they didn't. They they managed. Everyone jumped off the the, the sidewalk. They didn't crash into many other cars. I think there may have been a few, uh, a few, a few, a little bit of collateral damage inside the jewelry store, and that's where we go
1: next. Rafe, give me a one to ten on how badass slash believable this is. It starts as a shootout between the two heroes and the Jamaicans. And it ends with some hand to hands that is pure Seagal.
0: yeah, solid Seagal. good good, good, good bone breaking, especially and and then the gratuitous i'm going to put your head through not just one plane of pane of glass but like four or five consecutive panes of glass, and then throw you through a wall of glass.
1: And you can argue that the, the turning point moment and the awesomeness is when one of the Jamaican henchmen grabs a random lady who works at the jewelry store and puts a knife to her neck.
2: Go ahead,
0: kill her. I don't know her. I don't care about her.
2: I got you I want to know. You're just like a dog with all that You want to kill her? Kill her. I don't mind if you kill her, you know,
0: because I don't know her at all.
1: <laughs> And he proceeds to take the knife, stab that man in the heart, and then brutally break another guy's arm. And and like we mentioned, we're in it, Rafe. We're in it. This is great. It's about to happen. And now it's time to go after the Screwfaces. Seagal talks to that lady. She says, the only thing you can do is take out Screwface in front of the posse. That way they will believe your magic is bigger And, Rafe, our three-man crew is on to Jamaica. And let me tell you, this ending of the movie in Jamaica is only 26 minutes long. The amount of action that they pack into their two face deaths setting the scene, plus this incredibly awesome montage moment of where Charles the Jamaican cop, Max Kellerman, and Hatcher get their gear, practice with their gear, Mount up, put the silencer on the guns, shoot the meat. Is Seagal making bullets during this rave?
0: It looks like he's... I don't know if he's making bullets or altering them. He's putting, you know, he's hes, he's, he's putting something in there to make them uh, even more potent.
1: And we also get a, deliverme- a delivery from the government. Charles calls it, what, welfare for warfare? So at this point, they're buying into... The FBI DEA, so the government is 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 in on this, right?
0: Apparently, yeah. He called up some old friends and was able to get uh, the uh, the artillery sent in.
1: You notice an odd meaning when Charles is introduced to Max Kellerman, and they're they're cold to each other. We already talked about the payoff when they're in Jamaica, where it's like, "Hey, man, I I judge Jamaicans wrong." Did you catch that the 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 frozen element of that when they first met?
0: I a little right, he he a little bit. Well, because because. You know, Max Kellerman associates Charles with the Rastas who who are responsible for his nephew's death. He doesn't really understand. He needs he needs Seagal to come in and, and break the ice and say, no, no, he's this is one of the good guys. No, no, no. And by the way, I just wanted to point out uh Keith David, Max Kellerman's Jamaica tube sock outfit what that is just classic i mean the, the, the short shorts tube socks got a, uh, a sweaty wife beater on underneath a, a sort of an open i don't know tommy bahama style shirt with a bad floppy hat uh, he is he, he, he he's blending in perfectly
1: so we're in jamaica we go to that informant rafe and they're having the the reggae band play in that bar so this is the final Point of contention for this movie because there's some odd. Can I
0: ask about the band?
1: Yeah, yeah, go ahead.
0: Was that an original song written for the or for for the movie? Because there's they, they drop in a verse about Screwface. There face. you go.
1: That's exactly where I was going next. This fourth wall removal. So the song is that drop I played before. Chaku ba banana But then Seagal walks in and we get this line. Rafe, they're 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 foretelling
0: the future right what are they t- foreplay what well, is a, there's a lot of mysticism in this film i mean there's a, that that's part of the that's one of the motifs running throughout that there is there's is a magic there's something <laughs> going on that there is a supernatural element uh voodoo See, here's Santeria. where i don't get behind it
1: i can believe that screwface and his brother are deep into this religion and have certain Heightened sensitivities and powers, you know, to to some of these things. Like, I mean, look, you can argue if it's real. When that when that lady does the sacrifice, the palm reader over Screwface's picture, he instantly sits up from asleep at his house, tracks her down
0: because his magic is stronger than hers.
1: Brutally kills her, sacrifices her. If it this sends band, her
0: back to hell to to meet with her rooster Tito,
1: yes, and if this not
0: to be confused with Shane Mosley's monkey Tito, who is alive yeah. and well.
1: And if this band in Kingston played that line, basically telling Screwface, your time has come, Rafe, everyone in the bar would instantly pick up the cell phone or the, or the landline. I don't know
0: how many guys had cell phones in 90 or 91. Call
1: Screwface uh, with a 10 pound brick mobile phone. (laughs) And Rafe, he would have been there in three seconds to kill this band. You know that, Rave. Right? He may have woken up from a dream and just heard that in the distance. So, what are they doing there? Are they? Are they, it's
0: like looking into the camera and going, "Here it comes," you know. But I didn't. I I think that Screwface must have known that Hatcher and his men were coming for him. And we're probably there. I mean, you saw the Charles walking around the streets of Kingston, ask basically. Like you don't hear the dialogue, but appears to just be walking around asking everybody, "Hey, have you seen Screwface? Where he at right now?" I mean, like it doesn't really seem like a a very clandestine approach. And plus, that that, that's one of my favorite uh, sort of unexplained tropes in this movie. Uh, Steven Seagal, John Hatcher as a career deep undercover. DEA Agent, what maybe the the, the least uh, least nondescript individual who's ever walked the face of the earth, who cannot cannot blend in anywhere, who has to wear the most ridiculous clothes regardless of the situation, does not do anything to fit in with locals in anywhere, as this this great this undercover uh, narc who can infiltrate. Drug syndicates. I I I love that. I think that's magic.
1: (laughs) Indeed, Rafe. Indeed, all of my feelings are on a USB stick right now. But please, please do not do not ask about the USB stick. uh so if Screwface didn't know from word of mouth, he gets out of the pool.
0: He's wearing this banana hammock, and Rafe, he's he's packing heat, bro. I mean, talk to the, talk to David Allen for that. He got, he he got all the, he got all the socks you need and stuff in there.
1: So he stands over this bowl with dice, rolls the dice. It's some sort of spiritual thing. And then he goes, he dead and he don't even know it. So, Rafe, that roll of the dice seemed to let him know that Hatcher's on the island and that, uh, you know, it's gonna be a challenge, Rafe. (laughs) With me on that?
0: I'm with you. I thought, I thought, I mean, basically, what you're saying is that Screwface has prepared his horse for the war. Prepare
2: your horse for the war. And, the-
1: and, and it's, it's, uh.
2: Oh, that's gonna be a challenge.
1: And the challenge is epic. The attack on the Screwface house. He knows they're coming. But in this era of, look, Commando is great, but Arnold takes out a full army by himself. You watch any of the Rambo sequels, and John Rambo is like one versus a thousand, and just never get shot. Were you okay that with the night goggles, with the silencer on the scope, that Segal was able to sit in the bushes and one-shot kill? Three straight headshots to take out the perimeter gunman to begin this assault? Were you... Yeah, this is cool. This could happen. This DEA agent could be that well trained in combat.
0: Uh, you know, like like Raskin said earlier, I am not I there's really nothing in this movie that bothers me from a suspension of disbelief point of per, per point of view because if you want to be if you look, I know I know you believe that it's real. It's still real to you, damn it, but this you know, I'm just along for the ride. I think this this is all just all in good fun.
1: Well, they use explosives. They use cutting the power, and they're in the palace, Rafe. And we do have a showdown, and it's Hatcher versus Screwface one. And Raskin made a good point. It's still relatively early enough in the film that it doesn't feel like it could be a final battle. But Hatcher finds the his own pictures of himself that were in his childhood bedroom there in Jamaica. In this room filled with sand, Rafe, that's right around the corner from the bar, that has basically like the satanic ritual set up, and boy, it's on. Screwface comes in, but Rafe, his three henchmen are comically bad.
0: <laughs> I, 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 I don't remember exactly uh, what 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 sticks out to you.
1: Well, first of all, there's a great line where Screwface is like. Welcome to our island. And, and Hatcher's like, F you. So they hit him in the back of the head. This is the first time. Oh, that's right. They ambush him. They get him from behind. They get him with the staff to the back of the head, the spear, whatever you want to call it. They kick him in the gut. They're holding him up. And they say basically, Welcome to our bone. Welcome to our island. You're like a dog that has no teeth. And he fights out of this sacrifice ritual, four against one. Now, Screwface One is standing back, laughing at it. Rafe, he takes three men and spins them into each other. Eh, You know?
0: eh. A little bit, yeah, it's a little bit Three Stooges.
1: Well, if you thought it was Three Stooges, he comes back with a neck break snap and an arm break to let you know he's there. And then we get a sword attack from Screwface and Rafe. The death is quick, and it's frickin' brutal. Hatcher kicks sand to the eyes. He reverses a sword attack by spinning it back, chops up Screwface's dong, and then comes over the top to take off his head. Wraith, tell me there's a better kill scene ever
0: ever i'm sure there is a better kill scene ever but the dong chop was pretty i mean that was that was startling you know you see every time you see it you're just like oh oh god damn that's not good uh and then yeah off with his head right after
1: that and I it mean. begins to set up uh what did you well,
0: catch we- what does what does Screwface, earlier in the movie what does he call the 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 stick with the sword in it he said like it was some very uh sort of uh erotic Line like his, con- this is my conquering rod.
1: I don't have that answer, but uh, there's a couple unexplained moments uh, that I want to get to, but uh, I think if there's any death worse than Screwface number one, Rafe, it's got to be Screwface number two. We can get to that debate <laughs> in a second because how badass is this scene, Rafe? Okay, they pull up to the posse building of the Jamaicans with Screwface's head. Now, there's a weird unexplained conversation in the car. Did you pick up on this? Where Hatcher asked, charles what they said and i think he's talking i think he's talking about the u.s
0: government right no i thought i thought they sent i thought they sent charles in to say to 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 say hey we killed screwface and they didn't believe it or something because
1: he asked charles did you talk to them yeah what did they say and charles says exactly what you said they said and then there's a ten dollar bet between max kellerman and seagal They, they said it's just business. Business is business. So is that the U.S. government saying whatever you have to do, do it? Business is business? I can't figure that out. It's an unopened plot hole there, Ray. Un- unclosed. It's an unsolved mystery.
0: Well, we, we, we've we solved the mystery pretty soon thereafter.
1: All right. Well, this scene, look, is there a better scene than this? They walk in. Hatcher says, "Screwface is dead. Now you get the F out of our town or die. They don't believe him. He goes, Look, I got, I got, I got his staff right here. You never see this with Screwface. They don't believe him. And then Charles pulls the head out of the bag. And you got this chilling scene that only gets better by Screwface number two coming up behind, sticking a sword through the chest of Charles. Amazing scene, Rafe. He calls Charles Judas. Now, is he calling Charles Judas because Charles is a Jamaican man who yes. turned against him and went after one of his own?
0: Yes, exactly.
1: So now it's on. This is the final fight. That is scene. that's
0: when when Charles backs up, and all of a sudden, like you know, they're each they're all backing out of the out of the out of the drug den. And, and all of a sudden, like the point of the of the swords, like pokes through Charles's chest. And he's like, oh! that is that is a good moment. That's so a very Max nice Kelly reveal.
1: Get shot. He's got to limp up the stairs and basically guard the door with a gun. Charles is dead. And now it's a brawl. It's a henchman brawl in a bar as Seagal looks to walk down all the henchmen to get to screw face and end this. Rave, how many freaking cases of red stripe were there?
0: I, I saw, I saw Bud. I saw Budweiser. There was a little well bit of Bud,
1: there. but there's like three thousand cases it's of Red
0: Walls Japan. upon walls of Red Stripe. Now, have yes. you
1: been to Jamaica, Rafe? I have not. What part of Jamaica are you from? And right near the beach, Boy, <laughs> Rafe. I have, and Red Stripe on tap in Jamaica is awesome. It's uh, Red Stripe is good
0: out the bottle.
1: No, it's not. And then you come home and you're like, oh, I want to recreate my Jamaica vacation. You buy a six-pack and then you probably read the label. It's probably bottled in like New York State or something. It's just not the same right
0: I Well, I believe that is also likely, but I still don't mind a little bit of Red Stripe. I, I do have an observation about these la- this last wave of henchmen. Did yes. you notice that they seemed to get less – uh, that I felt like they got less realistic, not in the fights necessarily, but in that it seemed like Seagal had already killed almost every meaningful Rasta character in the film by that point. And they just had some guys – like it looked like instead of men with actual dreadlocks, they just had guys – more guys wearing bad wigs. Well, There's one guy who looks like he might be in some kind of blackface. I don't know. It basically – it looks like Steven Seagal – kills, like, six more guys, all of whom could be Dan Aykroyd in Trading Places. It, 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 part of the comical element is these guys are, like,
1: yelling. So they all yell something having to do with a blood clot. And there's this one scene oh, where Segal's walking up. This guy could have ambushed him, but instead he yells.
0: Get your blood <laughs> yeah, look, look. I, I, I don't want to put myself out here as some kind of expert or what.
1: Did you hear the delayed uh, screaming by that guy? Because he goes to kick, Segal <laughs> catches it, and maybe one of the most brutal moments: sidekicks the guy's knee and just explodes. Oh yeah, that man. one is
0: nasty. That Why are they nasty. all
1: yelling "blood clot"?
0: So look, I, I, I'm, I am not a you know a, a cultural expert by any means, but I grew up in New York and uh, you know around enough uh, you know uh, people from the Caribbean to know it's just it's 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 a it's a curse it's a, in, in patois in Jamaican patois it's like it's like calling somebody you know like like it's like calling somebody you know son of a bitch or motherfucker or whatever one of those you know it's a word you shouldn't say basically don't it, it, yeah it, 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 it's not it's not to it's, it's not for you it's not for me it's not you know if you're not if you're not you didn't grow up with it you don't do you don't do it all
1: right Interesting. That's kind of what Seagal, by the way, says about the UFC when he's inter- interviewed. He says he likes it. He goes to the fights, but he says what he doesn't like about it is there's certain level, there's certain parts, elements of martial, art, of martial arts that shouldn't be brought to the people and sh- secrets that are shared and put in the forefront. He thinks it should all be behind behind the lines for the experts. Rafe, okay, so I can't use blood clot as a catchphrase in the show is what you're saying.
0: I would not. I, I would not be comfortable with it, but you know, it's your show.
1: All right, we have the epic sword fight. Screwface Two shows up, Rafe. It's a it's a badass sword fight, and it's in the bar, and it really shows you how much better of a fighter Screwface Two is than his damn brother, because he puts legitimate damage on Sagal, breaking his head into the bottles, pushing him back into the bar, jamming the back of his skull against the wall. Rafe,
0: you killing the brother? No, you are gonna wish you was dead.
1: Uh, he almost got there, Rafe. This is a good scene.
0: Yeah, this is one thing that I think we should give Marked for Death a little more credit for. And that's, it's unlike a lot of Seagal movies, we see Seagal in some, you know, face some real danger here and, and have to come back from behind in a few fights. Seagal, we know, we love this about him. He is a ridiculous front runner, right? He, <laughs> he will go through entire films, kill, Fifty, a hundred people, and have no one lay a hand on him. And in this one, he allowed Screw. Maybe, maybe that shows that Seagal had the kind of respect you have for Screwface as a vi- as a villain because he let Screwface land. You know, really, really put it on him a little bit, and also put him in that other dangerous situation in the uh, in the in during the the, co- the 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 car with the bulldozers and the fire and everything. Like, you know, this was not just a a, a flawless victory. For Hatcher, like we see, I mean, in fact, maybe after this movie, Seagal said, F this, I'm not letting that happen again, and went <laughs> right into Out for Justice, where he just mows through yeah. everyone like it's not, like it's nothing. Out
1: for Justice is winky right against Felix Trinidad,
0: basically, Rafe, okay? <laughs> uh,
1: Yeah, that he had no business getting up from that car scene, shout out to Guy Ritchie, and he had no business coming back from that wet jacket that he had during this brawl as the alcohol spilled <laughs> all over him. Uh, Rafe, we get... I mean, look—is there a more brutal ending than this? And maybe Sc- Screwface Two was a better fighter in this moment because you know he's fighting for the justice of his, of his own brother being killed. He watched his brother's head being held up in the air. Um, here's how Screwface Two dies, Rafe. How I mean, how a ama- Rafe? This scene is the—I mean, it's freaking the mountaintop. He gets sliced down the middle of his head with the sword gets a double eye gouge in which the eyeballs are pushed back into his brain, gets thrown through a wall, then put into a WWF-style epic backbreaker with a giant crack, and then (laughs) thrown down an empty elevator shaft in which his body gets mutilated on top of a dull spike.
0: Impaled is the uh, is the technical word for that.
1: Right in front of all of his boys, which is a callback to that lady saying you need to kill them in front of their people. And then we get this line from Seagal to put the cherry on top. They weren't triplets. Hope they weren't triplets. Rave, who died worse? Screwface, one or two? Let's go on record here
0: it got to be Screwface, too. I mean, the backbreaker, that, that has to be one of the most painful things you can – although he did not suffer the uh, the genital mutilation. Well,
1: that, I think that's, that's the only thing keeping Screwface 1's death in this conversation is that yeah. sword to the crotch is just so gratuitous and unnecessary. Um, so the ending is them limping out. So it's Max Kellerman limping and it's Seagal holding the dead body of Charles. And Rafe, they just walk off into the night. And I, it, it, every time I see that scene, it's not to me like celebration, yay, end of fun action movie. It's a chilling scene. In fact, I remember the first time I saw this movie, I guess I'm 11 and a half at the time when it came out, where I was like, oh, my God. You know, remember, I had just seen the Screwface brother number two get brutally killed a second before. And I'm like, this is how it ends. Like, it just ends like they just... Limp off like that's it. Like, there's no like end of Star Wars part one where they put the medals over Luke and Chewbacca. Like, there's not like it's just that. And it it, that scene's still real to me. Maybe you don't feel that, Rafe, but like it's an affecting movie. It's still it's in me, Rafe. It's still getting is that
0: do you put it up there with like uh, you know, John Wayne uh, at the end of the searchers, you know, framed in the and the outside of the door, you know, the the alone sort of the, the great metaphor for uh, the American West.
1: Yes, yes. Nobody wins in the drug war, Rafe, but they got this man involved, and he had to he had to take action.
0: He, he did what he he did what he said he would do, which was when it comes to him, if you if you if you bring my family into this, if you if you comes onto my lawn, I will end it. And uh, that's pretty much what had happened. And, and it, but it, it took, you know, Max Kellerman reminding him, look, they're tapping on, they're ta- these, these guys are tapping on your shoulder right now, and you don't want to turn around. But you know, S- story when Hatcher post-script. turned around, it was ugly.
1: Storyline postscript: We get nothing from them. So what happens here? Does does Max Kellerman get uh, maybe an artificial hip and go back to coaching football and teaching at the high school?
0: Yeah, why not? Go right back to. Uh, he's, he's he's good.
1: All right. Does Hatch's niece survive? I mean, she had brain trauma. She had surgery that she needed. Well, the,
0: the sister said that she was stable uh, when he – remember, she's on the phone with him right before uh, the Rastas break in and, and start to ritual murder her. Um, and, and she says, oh, yeah, it's, things are better. She's stable. I needed a nap. And then it's like, are the cops still outside? Dun, 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 click.
1: Um, and what about John Hatcher? Does he get... Or well, you seem
0: a... you seem to think he's going to jail.
1: Uh, he has to go to jail, dude. He killed so many freaking people. Is it all in the name of, like... It wasn't... It was never a full mission to begin with. This was personal payback, Rave. Like, maybe yeah. the government... Maybe that's what the car conversation was about. Maybe it was about the government clearing them. Like, he bet Max Kellerman $10 that the government would be okay with this. Hmm. I don't know. But, like... Does he's got to go into retirement at the very least?
0: Well, that's the thing. I you, do. I guess the question is, does Hatcher find the peace that he was looking for? Because he, you know, we start the film with this, with his great confessional speech, saying, you know, I've become the thing that I hate I, that I despise most. Um, and the the father tells him, you know, go reconnect with your family, live a simple life leave this leave leave this life that you were living and then all of a sudden he's back to you know within <laughs> within within like 3 days he's back to murdering people indiscriminately doing whatever it takes to get the bad guys you know maybe sleeping with with witnesses doing drugs whatever it takes right hatcher style um does he is this the end does he ever find that peace that he's looking for where where can he find it
1: i think the end of his life kind of mirrors the last decade of Stephen Seagal. I bet you he grabs that lady, the one, the thirsty lady who was all over him. The, the, uh, what is she, what is her role? What is her job?
0: um she's a she's some sort of academic she's an expert in uh in various forms of uh of uh ritual so uh, so
1: in semiotics yeah in storyline they get married he probably puts his hands on her a few times rafe um they probably move to new orleans to get away he starts a a blues band he uh becomes a glorified appointed sheriff in the local community, Rafe. He gets a big gut, he wears kimonos, he feeds pandas, and he wears those yellow shooting glasses and shows up at Anderson Silva Fights. That's probably John Hatcher's endgame, Rafe.
0: Right you know what you know what was missing from this, and I hate to bring it back bring it back to this point, but that we did get in Out for Justice is we get that amazing Coda at the end of the film in *Out for Justice*, when he when he catches up with that guy who threw the dog out the window <laughs> and 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 dishes out one last morsel of tasty cold justice to that jerk,
1: Uh Rafe, we got a hand out awards. By the way, Segal was thirty eight years old when he did this film. And by the way, we just uh, we deep we d- dope dived the crap out of this, Rafe. Deep dive, dope dived. I mean, this was this may be too much for some people, but Rafe. Who's the MVP of this movie?
0: You're not allowed. There's only allowed to be one MVP. It's always Seagal in his movies. He doesn't let others shine.
1: I think Screwface takes the MVP in this movie. I don't. I think if there's no Screwface, if there's a villain 75% as good than Rafe, you know what? This might be like on a hard to kill level. This might be on like a, okay, that movie's okay. Basically, this movie would be what you and Raskin think it is and wouldn't be what I know it is if it wasn't for Screwface.
0: Maybe Brian, I you know screwface just never quite connected on that level with me that he has with you, and that's okay,
1: not even that swerve of finding out there's two of them that's on the level of like Luke, no, I am your father, right
0: <laughs> uh no, still didn't 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 quite get there
1: it did exist it did exist, um, best fight scene, Rafe,
0: ah. Uh... I would go with jewelry store.
1: I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Um, best one-liner, I still think it's I Can't Wait to Nail These Efforts by by Max uh, Kellerman. Uh,
0: there's one – there's a little exchange that Max Kellerman have like after they – Uh, maybe it's after the, the jewelry scene when Seagal is like – how was that for some fun, and he's like ab definitelyly or so i i i i can't quite remember it, but that was my that was my favorite I think my favorite scene overall is that confession it it just it's incredible that that monologue is unforgettable Seagal at his best and worst
1: Rafe, where does this movie rank in the Seagal lineage for you? You're out for justice number one, correct yes, correct. Where does this fit in to me it's number one number one with a bullet. I love me out for justice number two. Under Siege 2, I think, is his third best. People forget how great that movie is. Of course, after that, I like Under Siege One, I like Above the Law. I can tolerate Hard to Kill even though it's overrated. Undeadly Ground is just a separate abstract entity all to itself. And beyond that, we're all straight to video. Although Exit Wounds, I'll rewatch that crap any day. I'll also rewatch that one he did with uh with Zimmerman? Uh, The one he did with the dude from Boys in the Hood and the other and there was a rapper in it. There's a jail. Is, it, is like that
0: a, the Glimmer Man?
1: I don't know. Al, yeah, is that a, the Alcatraz one? That one is rewatchable as well. It's all crap after that. Rafe, where is this in your saga lineage?
0: So okay, I I am for Justice number 1. I am Under Siege 2 number 2. Then I go marked for death 3. So I'm I still have it high. I, I rank it high, but it's just not my top choice.
1: All right. Glimmerman was Sagal and Keenan Ivory Wayans. That wasn't the one I'm talking uh, about. Exit so, Wounds
0: has DMX in it.
1: Yep. Um am I, what am I thinking of? Am I thinking of uh Ticker?
0: Nope. I like Glimmer Man a lot also, just because 'cause I'm i I've always loved Keenan Ivory Wayans since like a low down dirty shame and Living Color. The entire Wayans family. I mean da, da, Damon Wayans was like my idol for a, a, a solid year during the in Living Color Prime. I'm
1: not I'm not gonna argue that. Ticker was uh him and Tom Sizemore, Jamie Presley, Dennis Hopper, Ice t Nas, yeah, that's the one. I think that's the one. Is that the one set in a jail with well, a bomb? Yeah, that might be it, Rafe. That might yeah, no, Half Past Dead is a good one. It's Morse Chestnut and Ja Rule. That's the one I was... He had I do that like Morse Chestnut. 2001 and 2002, he had that comeback. He had that little comeback there that started with exit wounds. Shout out to him. Shout out to Seagal. Shout out to you listening to our deepest of deepest dives in the... uh Hey, Rave, maybe we'll have something to talk about boxing next week. Maybe we'll continue down this path, bro. Any <clears> projects <throat> that we should be doing, in your opinion?
0: Who oh ah uh, man well i could keep doing this Brian. i'll tell you the truth i could keep doing this i could get weirder i could get really weird in this i mean i you heard me bring up guys like don the dragon wilson i could bring in some classic uh, pinoy action if you want to if you want to if you want to get introduced to the king fernando poe junior should that might do, be something.
1: Did you huh? ever see that movie that Seagal and, that brought Mike Tyson into a couple years ago?
0: Oh yes, yes, I have watched uh, the China Salesman with Seagal, uh, Mike Tyson. One other random uh, U.S. like well-known person. It's pretty bad, but it's, it's it's fun. Um, gee man, I'm down for this. I'm I I I, I can I can get. I, this is this is my life, so All it right. isn't that hard to uh, to just play it forward
1: thank you for joining me at my weirdness it's at state of combat on twitter at rafe bugs please check out our mma show this week brandon wise and i not only update actual ufc skinhead white guy news but rafe we go a deep dive in part one of our deep dive on netflix's tiger king are you in on this
0: i just started watching i'm gonna be in on this this is this looks like something special
1: it is it is mind blowing. Please check out a uh, special SOC edition this week. Talking to Chris Jericho, WWE former uh, champion on the Chris Benoit death Rafe, which I know is one of your favorite topics in wrestling history. That's it, Rafe. Give us two words. please. Be
2: we out. out.
0: Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrified. What it's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Watch Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13.
2: Now streaming on Paramount+.